sorry to interrupt. Are you okay? I need to get out of a toxic relationship. Why don't you start by telling us what brought you here? My boss, he's different. You can't get him out of your head. No. I need your assistance. I'm coming, master! Oh, you feel like he could destroy you with the snap of his fingers. Wouldn't even need to snap. Okay. Uh-huh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, what? Thank you. You saved my life. Did I watch you cut a guy with a decorative serving platter? Did or in the wrist. Let me explain. My boss gave me this power. In return, I tend to his needs, including care, feeding. You bring him people to eat? You're like the guy that gets the villain's postmate. But if you were to stop focusing on his needs, what would happen? He won't grow to full power. Exactly. He won't grow to full power. What? That's so weird. Why would you phrase it like that? But yes. Hi. Are you here for the meeting? Well, come on. No! No! Some call me the Dark One. Others, the Lord of Death. To most, I am Dracula. Okay, obviously we're dealing with a little bit more than just narcissism here. Now, let's eat. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, joining me as always is Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? Greetings and salutations, Rage Cagers. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How the hell are you doing, Mike? I am doing pretty well. It's been a busy weekend. Uh, a a two-release uh, weekend. Well, actually, more than two releases, but uh, we'll be talking about a couple movies this week. So uh, this is our first episode of the two. So, um, yeah, the start of a busy week to come. Uh, also joining us as well, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you? What's going on, guys? Always great to be here. All right. So uh, if anyone uh, that listens also is on the group page, you knew that uh, this past week we did not release an episode. Just due to the timing with all the releases um, that I just alluded to. So we're going to be covering at least two of them. Um, and then maybe the main show will be recording soon as well. But uh, first things first, we are covering Renfield with this episode, the latest release. It's a vampire flick with Nicolas Cage. I'm sure if you have any type of TV or internet, you've seen ads for it. Uh, And the synopsis is as follows. Renfield, Dracula's henchman and inmate at the lunatic asylum for decades, longs for a life away from the Count, his various demands, and all of the bloodshed that comes with them. So... Let's start with our general thoughts on Renfield, and I will kick it to Venom to start us off. What did you think of Renfield? 
overall, I had a really good time with it. It gave me pretty much everything that I expected. Some laughs, you know, it, it's not like gut busting funny by any stretch. Some people may even go so far as to say it's not very funny, depending on their sense of humor. But, you know, I thought it was mildly funny. Um I always I'm, I'm, I always look for over the top gore in horror comedies, and we definitely got that here. Crazy, you know, insane arterial spray and body parts, you know, being torn off, and uh, just some really really cool effects. Some good gunplay, you know. It, it's not quite John Wick by any stretch as far as its gunplay, but we do get some pretty decent. Um, gunfights um i did enjoy the fight editing like the it, it didn't suffer from that kind of 90s and 2000s um you know jittery camera for the for the for the fight scenes you know they actually looked pretty well done um performances were all great uh, i thought both of the nicks did really good job nicholas halt as renfield uh, was probably the highlight for me i actually was pretty surprised at how much i enjoyed him Nick Cage was Nick Cage. I mean, he's exactly what you expected him to be. Just an over-the-top, crazy, fantastical version of Dracula, of Count Dracula. And and we got exactly that. Ultimately, though, even with uh, Nick Cage's crazy performance, I, I still don't think it was the most over-the-top performance in the movie. Uh, ben Schwartz as uh, Teddy Lobo was just caricature uh, mob idiot. And he just warmed up to that role so easily I, I mean it almost seemed like a very natural performance but it was so over the top hammy the way that he you know portrayed teddy lobo um but ultimately i had a pretty good time with it i think the biggest flaw with the movie is going to be aquafina uh and the only reason i say that is because aquafina is aquafina in every fucking movie and television show she's ever been in she is aquafina whether it's shang she, uh shang chi uh, Nora from Queens, this movie, any movie or TV show that you've seen her in, she is Aquafina. So if you like Aquafina, I think you'll be okay with her performance in this movie. If you're not a fan of hers, if she actively annoys you, then this is not going to be the movie for you because she does play a fairly large role in this movie. She's probably she's easily one of the top three billed stars here. So she's going to get a lot of screen time. And if you're not a fan, yeah, she's probably just going to annoy you. I myself like Aquafina as of right now. I am starting to get into the the, the feeling that she's kind of being forced on us by Hollywood a little bit, kind of like me, Mia Goth right now is, uh, is to, to the horror community is, is she's being forced on us uh, greatly lately. But um, Aquafina on a much lesser scale, uh, we're seeing her in a lot more stuff. Hopefully, you know, either she learns to actually portray other characters or goes back to stand-up comedy. Because I did like her stand-up comedy. I always loved her comedy. She is she is funny as shit. But sometimes as a performer, as a you know, as a film performer, she's barely performing. You know, they're, they're, we've had actors like that in the past where they play basically play themselves in every single movie. Aquafina is solidly another one. Um you know, you get the modern day take on this with, you know, modern day organized crime, mob bosses, things like that kind of intersecting with the world of Count Dracula. And for the most part, it works out for me. It is a horror comedy, so I'm going to forgive a lot of its craziness, a lot of its unbelievable factors, things like that. 
Um, but ultimately, I had a good time with it. I did not expect much going into this movie. I did accidentally see the trailer for this uh, before some other film that I watched last month, and I didn't necessarily regret seeing the trailer because it's not like it gives it much of anything away. We know who Renfield is, and we know how their dynamic is going to work. Um, I, I like the social commentary, obviously, you know, with toxic relationships, it, it kind of the major theme here, but, you know, obviously themes of gaslighting and things like that are still in here. It just, you know, it's, it's a very topical film in a lot of ways. So, um, it's not a masterpiece by any stretch. It's nothing that's going to be in my top 10 by the end of the year, but it ultimately it gave me just a cocaine bear. It gave me exactly what I wanted. And that was just a fun, entertaining time. Um, that I may actually go see again. Uh, Mrs. Venom was out of town this weekend, so she didn't get to see it with me. So I may potentially go see it again. I mean, I enjoyed it that much that I'm willing to sit through it a second time. So, yeah, overall, really, really good time with Renfield. Uh, personally, I think you're going to get what you expect. So there you go. All right. Uh, we'll throw it over to Don next uh, for his general thoughts on Renfield. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't have too much else to add. Um, I, I'm kind of right there with him. Um, I, I really liked it. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff here. Um, the the codependency angle is really well handled. I really like the way that that kind of brings together the support group that they have established in here. Uh, kind of, you know, actually gives them a reason for being there instead of just, act, you know, just being, you know, some random fodder that he needs to, you know, to put that kind of storyline into, you know, motion and, you know, that's sort of like what you would have expected their purpose for being is to just, you know, give him the power to do something. But then, you know, like they kind of just disappear from the film and then, you know, you don't really see or hear from them again. This one kind of keeps them, you know, together and they make it a, a little bit more involved than I thought they would be, which is I, which is something I really like. I, I really like, you know, the master-servant relationship between Dracula and Renfield. Uh, it's handled pretty well. They, I actually really like this, and something that I didn't uh, know Venom uh, brought up was that they actually, you know, superimposed uh, Cage and Holt into uh, the classic vampire scenes, and they had, uh, you know, like a mm -hmm. retelling of the Dracula-Renfield relationship. And they had, you know, Renfield, they had, you know, Cage, you know, version of Dracula superimposed over, like, Lugosi and a couple of the others. But, you know, they, they it played out as if that was kind of like their relationship all along. Um, I, I really like that part of it. And they kind of, you, you know, kind of like just help with the immersion, just kind of like seeing, you know, like little stuff like that. The comedy is a little hit and miss. Um, I, I do agree that, you know, some of it didn't necessarily hit, but I, I do feel that there was enough laughs to justify it being called a, you know, horror comedy to say, um, you know, per se. Gore is fantastic. Uh, some of the, you know, limbs splitting and some of the, like, the bodies just exploding were, like, really fun and really cool. The one issue I have with this, and... It's something that I, you know, one of the, you know, particular annoyances that I have with these particular kinds of films is that I think it's a little too busy. And I, I don't really feel that it really necessarily needed this angle about police corruption. Like, I don't really feel like the whole angle with the police force being on the vamp, you know, like the drug lord side. I never really feel like that's ever really truly explored. Like they just make like two or three passing references. And then, you know, like they show like the two cop, the two forces are on each other's sides, but I, I don't know. Just, it didn't feel like that was really necessarily needed. Um, you probably could have just had it where you, 
you know, it wasn't even brought up at all. Like, the, the, it's just one where the cops just look a blind eye. Nobody really does anything because they're too powerful. And, you know, she's barking up a tree that she's, you know, out of her element or something like that. But uh, I don't know. Just to, to me, I, I really felt like that storyline just was brought in kind of like to, you know, add an extra hurdle that didn't necessarily need to be added and just make the film feel unnecessarily busy that it didn't necess- didn't really need. Um, I really like. everything else was really working for me. So I don't really feel like that was something that it really should have brought in. But I mean, other than that, yeah, this is like a really fun, you know, just straightforward kind of a film. You know what you're getting, you know, you're, you know what you're going to get in these kinds of films. Nothing's really too much of a shock. Everything's kind of, you know, like paint by numbers, you know, what's going to happen to people as soon as you see them. But I don't mind that. That, you know, that can provide some fun times, you know, just, you know, letting you, expectations play out because you don't have to be surprised every time for a film to work and this is kind of like what it this is like you know a perfect example of that cocaine bear is another one where it's exactly what you think it is and you know it's all the better for it by you know playing into it rather than trying to do something unique and you going off the rail for something that it didn't necessarily have to do so yeah uh Again, maybe not something I'll I'll have as my top ten. I mean, it is right now just based on the you know dearth of releases so far. But yeah, over time I'll probably think highly of it, but it probably won't be top ten material. So yeah, overall fun time. Few minor nitpicks here and there, but uh, overall uh, nothing too uh, nothing too controversial, and uh, you, you know nothing you have to immediately rush out to see, but. Definitely worth a watch if you're interested in this kind of uh, film. Yeah. Uh, before Mike goes, I did want I want to point out before I forget to say it that I, I do agree with Don that at points in this movie it feels like two different movies were mashed together into one. Uh, one movie is about this you know gritty cop who's you know a good cop uh, you know in a precinct full of dirty cops trying to bring her father's murderers to justice and then a second movie that's Renfield and Dracula and at times the tonal shift was kind of weird because you'd see like uh, you know, like a really hardcore kill scene with Dracula and then it would go to like the mob boss's mansion or, or the police station or something and it's like it, it just was a, a kind of a hard tonal shift at times. It did work for the most part, but yeah, I mean if, you, if you're really savvy, a really savvy movie viewer, while you're watching this, it's, it, it looks like they took two 45-minute scripts and just kind of mashed them together into one hour and a half long movie. Not necessarily a complaint, just an observation. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I'm, not, um, I'm done, Mike, so it's uh, over to you. All right. Uh, yeah, I mostly agree with what you guys had to say. If, if there's any uh, single uh, description that I would agree with it's Don's uh, a busy movie it, it it probably has like one or two too many story elements going on for this type of movie uh, it doesn't hurt it too much overall but it does feel a little unnecessary but you know for the most part I like the comedy I I enjoyed the gore there was a couple moments where I think the like there was a fight scene at an apartment complex where it's like yeah they kind of went over the top of the CGI blood and stuff but other than that, you know, some other there was other blood and stuff that was fine. Uh, Nick Cage as Dracula added another notch to his belt of like fun, <laughs> cool, over the top performances. 
uh, it's it's funny because you would think Nick Cage Dracula has got to be at the top, but it's, I don't even I wouldn't even consider it like his most over the top, but it's it's on the list, and you know he he embraces it. I like I like that he's that type of person that you know he takes roles like this, uh, fully embracing chewing up scenery. He, he kind of delivers what people probably expected and wanted out of him as as Dracula. Overall, I would say the movie is is pretty good, but I think it's definitely elevated by the cast. Uh, I like I like the cast for the most part. I agree with Venom. Uh, Aquafina is pretty much Aquafina in every movie. Um, she's not bad or anything. It's just that you pretty much expect that character from her at this point. Um, I I agree with like the the cops kind of the cops kind of being uh dirty was like something introduced almost really unnecessary uh not much going into it uh, or not not much leading up to it, it just kind of happens um what else can i say uh decent so i really like the flashback stuff like we don't get a ton of it but kind of like when we get uh the origin kind of like how renfield uh got hooked up with dracula uh, that that stuff was cool i did like the support group kind of backdrop yep. uh for renfield um that was uh a cool way to introduce it and kind of <laughs> show like allegories between like you know when the therapist or yeah or i guess when the therapist host is trying to help uh with everything and uh you see the allegories between that and like what they think he's talking about what he's actually talking about the, the kind of overlap there that was, that was pretty funny uh, the comedy, yeah, it, it's hit or miss, um, but there's enough there to make this enjoyable. If I had, a, you know, between this and Cocaine Bear, I would probably lean a little more towards Cocaine Bear, maybe just because the animal gone crazy. May, I, I think maybe I just thought Cocaine Bear was maybe a little more funny, the style of comedy, but uh, that's not really to detract from this. I, I still had a good time. I would still say go see it, especially if you're a Nick Cage fan. I think he does enough to uh, win me over with this kind of movie you know horror comedy especially when they deal with like an established character like a like a dracula or vampires there's big potential for like a home run or a strikeout and i would say you know this one probably hits at least a solid double um maybe triple but i, I wouldn't say it's quite a home run but it's good enough so i would say check it out uh what else did i say i i thought it was paced pretty well it went by pretty fast um and I would say, yeah, in a week, in a in a in a week or a couple weeks span, where there's going to be a lot of stuff to see in the theater. Uh, if you're in if you're in the mood for last, you're not going to go wrong with this one. So overall, it's getting a thumbs up, and I would say go see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like we're all fairly in agreement on this one. All pretty much have had a good time with it. All admit that it's not side-splitting comedy, but it does, you know, hit at times. At, when I'm watching the film, sometimes it kind of feels like um, the filmmakers weren't confident enough to just give us a 90-minute movie of just Renfield and Dracula kind of dealing with their personal issues. It's like they, they felt the need to modernize it, add this secondary cop story that does intertwine. Well, it doesn't really intertwine with Dracula and Renfield so much as it, it intertwines with the um, the mob organization that you know Dracula and Renfield eventually get entangled with. Um, so it does kind of feel like 
a little bit of a reach. Like, uh, you know, the filmmakers maybe, as I said, maybe they just weren't confident enough to make the whole movie just Renfield and Dracula with the support group and, you know, what uh, other cool little stuff that they did there. Um, but it's not necessarily a detriment to the film either. It's one of those movies where you could see where there could be improvements, but overall you're happy with what you were presented with. You know, you're not upset. You're not pissed off that you spent the time on it. Uh, You know, overall, I think most people are going to enjoy this movie, especially if you curb your expectations. I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you know what you're getting. I mean, because the trailer consists mostly of the the therapy scene, one of the few uh, therapy scenes in the film. And, those are really some of the more enjoyable parts of the film. Like that's probably where most of the good comedy in the film comes from. Sadly, not from Aquafina, but from the support group and just these different personalities who all kind of have the same problem, but with different people and just, you know, kind of connecting the dots with Renfield's description of his boss and everything like that. I know parts of that scene were in the trailer too. So if you've seen that again, you, you know, you kind of know what we're talking about here, but yeah, like I said, this this isn't a movie that's going to stop the world. It's not, you know, it's not breaking the mold by any stretch. It, but it, it's a solid film. And ultimately, my best suggestion would be to watch the trailer. If you've seen the trailer and it looks even moderately interesting, then I would recommend the film. I, I think you're going to enjoy it. If you watch the trailer and think that it's going to be stupid, then it's probably just going to be stupid. So, you know, you, you've kind of already prejudged the film before you walk in. So why waste the money? I actually, I actually watched the movie uh, Friday, uh, Thursday night, actually, with a bunch of like, you know, like 15, 16, 17 year old boys in front of me. And my God, these were the most cynical. I, and I know we were all cynical as teenagers, but Jesus, the, every single trailer that played when the trailer was over, that looks stupid. That looks stupid. Like every goddamn movie. I mean, they could have played a trailer for The Godfather and they probably would have said, oh, that looks stupid. Um, and then it, the end of the movie as we're walking out i hear them going again well that was stupid and it's like i wanted to stop them and just ask them what the fuck do you like (laughs) i mean if every trailer was stupid and the movie that you just paid to watch was stupid what the fuck do you enjoy and i guess it's just that age like i said most of us were probably like that i don't remember being that hateful towards you know art uh when i was younger but you know whatever it's a new day and age but yeah interesting interesting to sit behind those idiots uh, for a movie like this well, on a thursday night <laughs> yeah and not to mention like unless they all have podcasts that are forcing them to go see stuff if i was that hateful or that, i disliked that the stuff that much i wouldn't even be going to the theater to see it in the first place yep. that's what i wanted <laughs> to question like why are you here you obviously saw the trailer for this movie, and I'm sure you probably said that looks stupid after the trailer played, so why the fuck are you here? I mean, the only thing I could figure is that, you know, it just it gets them out of the house, gets them to hang out with their friends, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Camaraderie, I guess, more than anything. But, yeah, I, I don't understand wasting the money to watch something that you think is going to be stupid. That, that just seems dumb. But maybe it's not even their money, too, because, I mean, I did see the movie. Uh, I saw the movie in Northridge, which is kind of a part of California that has a little bit more money. So maybe these are spoiled rich kids. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Yeah, they just go see everything because it's mommy and daddy's money. But still, just find some fucking joy in your life for fuck's sake. You're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be a miserable college student if in high school you hate everything. You know, so for fuck's sake, get some joy in your life. Anyway, what else can we say about this that's spoiler free? Um, I agree with Mike. This is a really good cast. Even even the secondary players, I thought all did 
pretty good jobs. The mob boss um, played by a woman. I didn't think she was too over the top with it, you know, because, again, some mob bosses, you know, they could, they could really ham up that role. But I thought she did a very subdued performance for considering how much power she supposedly had, even though, yeah. I mean, she just kind of disappears, right? Like, after after she closes the shutter, does she? do we see her again? I don't remember. Uh, oh, well. Yeah, I mean, they, they do kind of like well, the classic. They bring her out of, there's, one, there's one at the end where they take her into custody. Oh, right, they arrest her. I totally forgot. Okay, sorry, yeah. spoilers. <laughs> I yeah, totally I forgot what happened to this character. Sorry, folks. They, do, they, def, they definitely do, like, the classic, like, head of the mob is, like, the cool veteran knows what they're doing with the hothead kid. Oh, yeah, you know? by far. But, like, you know, sometimes mob bosses are angry, and, like, like even the greatest mob boss ever, Vito Corleone, even he can be accused of hamming it up every now and then. So I was just saying that this was a much more subdued performance. Like, she had the power and knew that she had the power and didn't need to raise her voice to prove that she had the power. So I appreciated that, at least. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> what else? What else? What else? Uh... We've already talked about the effects, the fight scenes. You know, the score is fine. The score is nothing crazy. Um, I did like the uh, Dracula to bat effect. That was cool. Yes. When he would yes. There, there were a like couple a of effects of in here that I thought were really yeah. cool. Yeah, Dracula turning into smoke and injecting himself into someone. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, we'll talk about that in the spoiler section, obviously. So, yeah, that, there, there's a lot of little tricks. I love the look of Dracula after he's attacked by the vampire hunters the first time where he's almost just a burnt husk, but he still has this great attitude of, uh, that could have gone better. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was great. That's Nick Cage. Though. That, that's Nick Cage through and through, obviously. So I, I forget what the exact line was, but yeah, Renfield asks him, how do you feel? And literally this burnt husk looks up at him and goes, I felt better. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's stupid, I know, but it makes me laugh, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, even the performance of, uh, excuse me, the relationship between Renfield and Dracula is very believable. You know, this this Renfield, obviously he has skills and can handle himself, you know, because of the gifts that Dracula has given him. But he still has, you know, that weak uh, kind of soul that just forces him to be a part of this relationship with Dracula, where honestly... What could he possibly do, though? I mean, if he tries to walk away, Dracula finds him, kills him, it's over. If he tries to kill Dracula, Dracula defends himself, kills Renfield, it's over. It's like it's one of those like catch-22 situations where... Um, and, and Dracula even makes the point in the movie here that of how Renfield made this decision, you know, back in 1880-whatever when they first met. And it's like... And, and that's valid, too. You know, Renfield wanted money. He wanted to get this land deal done with this rich count from, you know, Wallachia and wasn't thinking about, you know, his soul or his, you know, moral obligations, anything like that. He just wanted to make money. Granted, for his family, you know, it it it, it, it wasn't completely greedy. There was some nobility to it. You know, he wanted to improve his family's lot in life, but... You know, when you lay in bed with the devil, expect evil things, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I thought um, I thought Renfield in this movie, uh, what, Nicholas Holt, uh, mm -hmm. he, I think he portrayed like the kind of like the reluctant character well. Obviously, he 
was no longer happy. He, he came off like he hasn't been happy <laughs> being the familiar in a long time, but kind of, he's kind of trapped in that corner of like, what exactly am I going to do about it? I can't really do Once I made that agreement, yeah, I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah, all right, folks. Well, <clears throat> I think that's it for non-spoilers. I think this will be your final spoiler warning while we go into this uh, walkthrough of Renfield. should be fairly quick. It's not the most involved story ever. We've told you the biggest parts of the story already, so it's just really a matter of where the story goes. So there you go. Final warning. Final spoiler warning, excuse me. So let's go ahead and start. Uh, our movie opens up with scenes from the 1931 Dracula but as Don mentioned earlier, uh, either either the actors were superimposed over them or they just reshot those scenes because they do look beautiful. They look great. Either way, we see Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Hall portraying Dracula and Renfield in those famous scenes from 1931, the famous scene where they meet in the dining hall, uh, the famous I never drink wine line you know stuff like that so that was very appreciated because i thought that stuff looked great i mean if you didn't know any better you might actually think nicholas cage starred in 1931 dracula so and after that uh basically um our movie opens up with um after this uh, 1931 kind of revisit, it kind of fast forwards to 90 years later it's slightly more modern times and, you know, we see Renfield and, you know, kind of out in the city, he explains how him and Dracula have to constantly be moving, not constantly, but anytime the vampire hunters catch up to Dracula and attack him and there's an altercation, of course they have to leave town because once one set of vampire hunters knows that they're there, everyone's going to know they're there. So, you know, they kind of have to bounce from city to city. Um, we see the vampire hunters come in and, you know shoot arrows at Dracula. At one point, uh, we see a priest and a vampire hunter trap Dracula in a, what's it called? A circle of power, I think is what they called it in the movie or uh, something along those lines. But basically it's like a circle of, of sand on the ground. Once Dracula gets within that circle, they can say some magic words. And then we see like a magic aura appear in the shape of the circle, trapping whoever's inside of it. Um, <laughs> Basically, Renfield walks into the room just as they're getting Dracula into the, 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 the circle of power. And basically, Dracula does that gaslighting toxic male thing where the vampire hunters are trying to convince Renfield, don't help him anymore. Your soul can still be saved. You know, you don't have to continue to be his servant, blah, blah, blah. But of course, Dracula... Uh, kind of gets into his ear and tells him, do you honestly think that they're going to let you go? All the people that you've killed in my name, do you think they're just going to let you go scot-free? Of course not. As soon as I am dead, they are going to arrest you or kill or worse, kill you. Um, that gets into Renfield's head. He's He kind of agrees and he basically takes off one of his shoes and slides it towards the circle of power, breaking the circle of sand on the ground, which, of course, uh, breaks the force field around Dracula. He's able to get free, and just before um, he's able to kill the final vampire hunter, um, that vampire hunter opens the drapes in the room, exposing that you know it is daylight out, and the sun comes in and basically burns Dracula to a crisp. 
Renfield himself then takes care of the last vampire hunter and at the same time rips a curtain off the uh, the window to cover Dracula and put out his flames. That's when they have that little exchange of, how do you feel? I, I felt better. Uh, and he's literally just a burnt husk. Uh, it literally looks like he's about a quarter of his normal body weight. He, look, like a, he looks like a skeleton with some charred black stuff on it, basically. Uh, and I, I, I appreciated that. Um, so... Again, um, Dracula and Renfield have to move. They move uh, to this new city. They decide to move into a, an abandoned hospital because of the, since it's abandoned, the lack of traffic inside, though I'm very surprised there were no squatters in there. I figured that would be a scene in the movie, actually, where they'd get there and there'd be some squatters in there and maybe Dracula had the clean house or whatever, but nope, nothing like that. They just live in this place and... Basically, you're collecting. I, I think at one point they find old blood bags, and Dracula just basically hooks them all up to him. And what's actually a pretty cool looking shot with all the blood bags hanging, um, you know, so that they're not oversecting, intersecting each other. So it almost looks like a wall of blood bags. And then the, the, with the light coming in from behind it, it just looks kind of cool. I thought it was a kind of a nice shot. So even though it's not a very practical way to inject your blood or ingest your blood, it was a cool looking shot. All right, so uh, where are we from here? I guess we, I guess we can introduce Aquafina. Aquafina plays Rebecca. She is a police officer. Uh, she's brand new, literally first day on the force. We find out that her father was like a storied police chief, or yeah, yeah, I think he was the chief of this department. Um, you know, in years past, he was killed on duty by the Lobo gang or the Lobos gang. I think they were saying plural. So Lobos, the Lobos gang, uh, basically, you know, the most powerful, you know, mob organization in the city um, run by. Well, I, everybody in the family's last name is Lobo. So that's probably that's probably their real name, I guess. Um and obviously Aquafina is like, you know, she's brash. I mean, she, again, she's Aquafina. She's Aquafina in every movie. She's brass. She's got a, a no fucks given attitude, you know, tells tells it exactly like it is, even right up to her chief. Like she'll even look at her chief and say, I can't believe I'm stuck in this precinct full of dirty cops. What the fuck? My, you know, I, I, I can see why my father hated this job or whatever, you know, little comments like that to piss everybody off. So obviously she's the most hated cop in the precinct. Nobody really likes her or helps her out. Luckily, her sister is in the FBI. Her sister also went into law enforcement, but she went beyond, um, you know, police enforcement and went into the FBI. She's now a full-fledged FBI agent. Uh, she'll come back uh, in this story. She'll have some pretty important parts of the story later on. But what, what ends up happening is that there, there's a traffic stop. Well, actually, no, before the traffic stop um, is the support group. So um, obviously, if you've seen the trailer, everyone has seen the support group. Um, we're introduced to the support group, all the wacky different characters, and then during this first support group meeting is where we find out that the reason that Renfield is here isn't necessarily because he feels like he's one of them. He's actually looking for prospects to feed Dracula. So all of these people who talk, who come to the support group and talk about the toxic uh, people in their lives and how they're destroying their lives and everything else, Renfield will go out, find those people, kill them, and or knock them out, maybe, and take them to Dracula. 
Um, so that's what he ends up doing. Um, one of the girls in the group talks about her boyfriend who's constantly, you know, cheating on her, hitting her, blah, 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 blah. Renfield instantly is like, okay, I got a new victim. So he goes and finds the guy. Turns out that he is a member of the Lobos gang who has just stolen a large quantity of cocaine from the Lobos with the intention of selling it themselves and, you know, creating their own drug empire. Um, Renfield shows up here and, you know, he, he the guy that he's after, uh, this girl's boyfriend, and then two of his friends are there. So there's three total people there. They're talking about, you know, what they're going to do with the drugs, what they're going to do with the money. Uh, one of the guys in the group is, like, terrified that, you know, we stole all this cocaine from the Lobos. There's no way they're not going to send somebody to kill us. And then in walks Renfield, this skinny, pale, white British guy, um, not acting menacingly in any way. He just walks in and instantly they all think that he's an assassin from the Lobos gang. They all instantly start apologizing. At one point, um, Renfield makes a, some kind of comment about, well, you, you, you can't just give it back, you know, what you've taken away. They think he's talking about the drugs. He's obviously talking about the girl and her feelings and her freedoms and everything. So they're literally just throwing all these bricks of cocaine back at Renfield saying, fuck it, take it, take it back. At that moment, the real assassin from the Lobos gang shows up and he is Apache Joe. And there's actually kind of a funny line in this movie about Apache Joe where um, uh, Teddy, Teddy Lobos is in the car. He's the driver. He drove Apache Joe, uh, to the site to take care of these three guys. And he's on his phone talking to another member of the gang, like one of the higher ups, a, a, a capo or something. And he says, Oh no, no, we're cool. Uh, you know, we're going to be done here in a minute. I brought Apache Joe and the guy goes, dude, that's racist. And Teddy's like, no, it's not racist. He's not even Apache. <laughs> Which is fucking why it's racist, but that's still, I found that line to be fucking, uh, just, it tickled me. Um, obviously, Renfield gets caught up in the altercation between Apache Joe and the three guys who stole drugs from the Lobos. Um, obviously, there's a big battle. We've seen the trailer where Renfield has these ridiculous fight skills whenever he eats a bug. Basically, he's eating a bug. Um, he explains it as Dracula gets his life force power from humans, from drinking their blood. Dracula also gave him the ability to steal life force from other creatures, but obviously Renfield's unwilling to kill a human for himself, so he eats bugs. And apparently the life force that he gets from bugs is just enough to give him like five minutes of like, you know, invincibility. Uh, any video gamer knows what, you know, a short burst of invincibility is like. And that's basically what Renfield gets from a uh, eating a bug. He ends up killing all three of the drug dealer of the of the guys who stole the drugs. And then he ends up punching Apache Joe's head clean off. Uh, my friends, I'm talking straight uh, Jason Takes Manhattan punch. The clean cut, the head goes flying out the front window of the warehouse and hits uh, Teddy Lobos's car on the side. So literally the head hits the side of Lobos's car. He freaks the fuck out and just takes off, goes back home and kind of has to explain to his mother. This is where we meet uh, the mother um, who is, as I said, the leader of the Lobos. Um... Bella Francesca Lobo is her name. And 
you know, of course, she puts out a hit on the guy. You know, they don't know who he is, obviously, but they do have a cell phone picture of him. So she puts out a hit on him. Um, eventually, Teddy Lobos figures out that he was seen at the hospital, the, you know, the, the abandoned hospital that they're staying at. So they, you know, they get a crew together that they heavily arm themselves. They go to the hospital to try to take out Dracula. Um, well, I, excuse me, not Dracula. They don't know about Dracula at this point. They're there to take out Renfield and they don't know who Renfield is at this point. All they know is that this random guy killed some of their uh, members. So they go there and um, basically, and I'm skipping a lot, folks. I'm sorry. But yeah, uh, just to get through this. Uh, basically, at the hospital, uh, they end up uh, finding Dracula. Dracula ends up killing every member of the hit squad except Teddy Lobos. And then uh, Dracula, you know, Teddy Lobos, as the last guy left alive, Dracula starts questioning him. Why are you here? What are you looking for? And then he pulls out, Teddy Lobo pulls out his cell phone and says, we're looking for this guy. He killed you know, five or six of our guys, you know, protecting the innocent, which obviously as soon as he said protecting the innocent, that turned Dracula off innocent, uh, you know, uh, immensely. Um, you know, how can my Renfield be protecting the innocent when he's basically my Grubhub driver who goes and gets my dinner, um, which kind of pisses off Dracula a little bit. So he ends up making a little bit of a deal with Teddy Lobos because uh, earlier in the film, Dracula actually lets Renfield know what his ultimate plan is. And th this is totally unbeknownst to, unbeknownst, excuse me, to, um, to Renfield. And that's that Dracula is planning to dominate the world. Yes. He has a plan for world domination where he's basically just gonna, uh, you know, not hide in the shadows anymore, just be out in the public. But obviously he can't do that by himself. He needs to pull together an army or an organization or, you know, he, he needs followers. He needs soldiers. So when he runs into Teddy Lobos and Teddy lets him know that, hey, man, that's what we're all about. We're all about evil. We're all about dominating the world. And then that's when Dracula's gears start turning and he's like, hmm, maybe if I join up with this Lobos gang, you know, them being the most powerful gang in the city, maybe I'll be able to, to you know, move forward with my world domination plan. So at this exact moment, while Teddy Lobos and Dracula are, are chatting, um, there is another large group of assassins going after Renfield, who is now... Um, had kind of entangled himself with Aquafina through different events, through an event, um, a big fight scene at a restaurant earlier in the film. They end up kind of getting close, uh, a little bit closer. Um, Renfield actually makes the comment that I've never seen someone stand up to someone more powerful. Because at one point, Teddy Lobos walks up to Aquafina's character and puts his gun right up to her head and says, see, now you know what it's like to be your daddy. But then Aquafina does not bitch out. She's like, fuck you, shoot me. Fuck you! I dare you! Shoot me right now, right here! If you're if you're such a big badass, go ahead. And and Renfield, you could see his eyes light up. He's never seen a tiny little weak human stand up to someone who's obviously more powerful than them. Uh, you know, a gunfight ensues. Renfield saves everybody. Blah blah blah. That's how their relationship starts. So, like I said, at the moment, the Dracula and the Lobos are kind of getting together and meeting. Um, another large group of assassins, this one consisting of both 
uh, mob members and cops, because I, you know, we did uh, a couple of us did mention earlier that this entire precinct is fucking dirty. They're all owned by the Lobos, except for Aquafina, whose father was murdered by the Lobos while on duty. So, of course, she's the only non-dirty cop. Not she's the only cop not on the Lobos payroll on the precinct. So at this point, Aquafina's character is now a uh, a fugitive. So they send this hit squad to uh, to um, Renfield's apartment. Yes, Renfield at one point in the film, uh, you know, develops a sense of freedom um, after going to one of his uh, support meetings. And they kind of instill this sense of independence in him. He goes out, he rents his own apartment, uh, decorates it. He buys a whole new wardrobe, which is very anti-Renfield. It's all colorful. You know, there, there's it's jeans and sweaters and you know cool stuff like that. Um, so anyway, uh, this hit squad goes to Renfield's apartment and this is probably, you know, this is probably one of the, the restaurant scene is probably the first really violent scene in the movie, but this one is like the big one because I mean, we're talking, I don't know, three or so, maybe more dozen people getting killed. And I mean, literally we, we see people's arms getting ripped off and used as clubs. We see people getting their heads punched off. We see at one point Renfield does like a knee drop on one of the uh, dirty cops who's kind of partially hanging off a ledge and literally fucking cuts him in half. And there is this glorious explosion of blood, CG blood. Yeah, but, you know, it's kind of to be expected with these big Hollywood movies. But just a great gory scene. Like I said, lots of John Wick style gunplay, decent fight scenes, decent gunshots, blah, blah, blah. Aquafina and Renfield end up escaping, but they understand that Dracula has now kind of hooked up with the Lobos. So they formulate a plan where Aquafina calls her sister to try to get some help, some inside information on you know, some of the murders in the city, the potential connection with the Lobos and her father and everything else, blah, 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 blah. Um, so she, uh, Aquafina and Renfield arm themselves. Uh, they end up going to like, I don't know if this is like the police armory or some gun store that they break into, but basically they start arming themselves to go to the Lobos compound. They literally walk right into the front door of the Lobos compound and a gunfight pretty much ensues right away. At this point, Dracula and the, the Lobo's head are still upstairs talking. They hear the gunshots and they understand that, oh, uh, Renfield must be here and ready to go. So, yeah, we get this, uh, you know, again, big fight scene. At this point, we also get the reveal that Dracula has given the Lobos gang members his gifts, the gifts that he gave to Renfield so that he could be like a super powered fighter. He also gave them to all the members of the Lobos. Renfield still, though, is able to get through all of them, and he has the spectacular kill scene on Teddy KGB. That uh, Excuse me, did I say Teddy KGB? Excuse me, Teddy Lobos. I'm watching Rounders way too much. Um, Teddy Lobos, basically Teddy Lobos does like a, uh, a high jump to do like a jump attack against Renfield. Renfield is able to counter the attack with a kick with like a double leg lunging kick. And at that point we get an X-ray of Teddy uh, Lobos's body and we literally see first his back break and then every bone in his body. It's almost like a ripple effect, like a water. Every bone in his body breaks all the way up and down. 
so that when he lands on the ground, he literally spits up a fucking cloud of blood and he's pretty much dead. Uh, very satisfying death, because like I said, Teddy Lobos is probably the piece of shit of this film. Um, so we get upstairs and uh, Aquafina ends up meeting uh, the head of the Lobos. Uh, she's got a gun pointed at her the entire time and I'm just screaming in the theater, just shoot her, just shoot her, just fucking shoot her. I don't, you know. Um, the other thing, too, is that Aquafina's sister has been kidnapped by this point by the Lobos, so they've got her in custody. Um, so I can under, I, I can kind of sort of understand, okay, you don't want to kill the only woman who might know where your sister is, but I'm kind of petty. I'm sorry. If I got the upper hand on a mob boss, I'm putting a bullet in their brain that fucking second, but I guess that's just me. So... Um, Aquafina doesn't shoot at the mob boss, and eventually the mob boss is able to close all the blinds in the room. They've got those automatic blinds, you know, that are push button. Uh, she ends up closing all the blinds and hitting the bricks, just fucking disappearing out of there. And of course, Dracula shows up, and this is when Dracula and Aquafina have their first direct meeting. At this point, Dracula has a couple of members of the Lobos re wheel in. Aquafina's sister to show that she is already dead. They have already killed Aquafina's sister. She's dead and bleeding on the on the gurney that they wheeled in. And then he starts talking to her um, almost like a friend, like, hey, I can save your sister. My blood has healing abilities. Oh, we see that earlier in the film, too, when Renfield gets a nasty cut across his belly to the point that his intestines are coming out. Dracula, you know, spills a little bit of his own blood right on the wound and the wound heals up. So that that's something new that I didn't really know about. I thought that was kind of cool. So Dracula explains to her that I can bring your sister back, not in the vampire way, but literally bring her back to life, you know, with my blood. My blood is healing. She decides uh, Renfield walks in at that exact moment, basically telling her, don't do it. That's exactly what he said to me. He makes promises that he'll never keep, blah, blah, blah. Aquafina, obviously, at this point, is very distraught. She's already lost her father. Now she's lost her only sibling. And she kind of says, okay, and agrees with Dracula to the point where she actually walks up to him and embraces him. Almost like, you know, she's saying, okay, go ahead, save my sister, and I'll join you and the Lobos. But at that same moment, she tries to hit the switch for the for the blinds, the automatic blinds. And unfortunately, when she hits the switch, they don't flip right away. They don't turn. And she's hitting the button over and over again, realizing that the blinds aren't opening. And then she just goes, oh, shit. And Dracula obviously realizes what's going on at that moment, blah, blah, blah. They're able to um, work together. Um, eventually, the blinds do open up so that Dracula is a little bit more weakened, if you will. But no, they still have a pretty knockdown, drag out fight. Um, I don't remember yeah. the actual final blow. You guys might it's, remember. It's cool that, it's cool that mm -hmm. sunlight doesn't like automatically fry him. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it obviously that. weakens him and hurts him, but he can still try to like flee. Exactly, which he does. He ends up fleeing to another part of the mansion. And and I, I did like that effect work because early in the movie it was already established that he can turn into like an army of bats. And so this time when he did that, all the bats were on fire. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That was great. Oh, and fuck, we skipped the smoke effect that I actually really, really liked in the movie. Um, Earlier in the film, when we were talking about um the vampire hunter attack and the circle of power or circle of entrapment, whatever the fuck they called it. 
Um, after Dracula gets out of that circle, he basically charges the priest that's present, turns into smoke, goes into his mouth, all the smoke goes into the priest's body, and then, of course, he basically explodes out of the, the holy man's body. You know, nothing we haven't seen before, but just kind of a, a cool little add-on for that particular scene. That was probably one of the better kills early on in the film, anyway. Uh, so, like I said, uh, we're we're at our final battle. Um, Aquafina and Renfield... I'm calling her Aquafina. Aquafina and Renfield are... Um, fighting Dracula. Like I said, I don't remember specifically how they end up taking him down. Um, do you guys remember? It's been four days since I've seen the fucking movie, and I've only seen it once, but... God damn it, I don't remember how they actually... Um, I think Dracula and Renfield are fighting, and then it turns out that Aquafina has managed to somehow resurrect the the sphere with the cocaine... Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, like they're fighting, so she, so they're distracted, and then she somehow managed to construct like an energy field using the cocaine, because with the battlefield that they've chosen is somehow the storage unit for the police with all of the, you know, confiscated, you know, drugs that they've busted. But it turns out that that's actually where they've been supplying it from. And so she uses the, you know, confiscated cocaine to construct a barrier using, like, I think she said it was, like, some kind of, like, Wiccan spell or something that she found online. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, so... uh, It's something like like that. Yeah, Yeah, No, you're right. You you actually nailed it. Yeah, it it all came flooding back as soon as you said it. Uh, Basically, earlier in the film, Renfield talks to Aquafina about that ring, that, that ring of entrapment. And um, uh, apparently the idea stuck in her head because later on when they're in the middle of that fight and she notices the bricks of cocaine off to the side. Yeah, she goes ahead and makes uh, her own circle. As soon as Dracula basically lunges forward for the final kill, she says the quick magic words and Dracula is trapped in the circle. He's floating above the air. You know, he can't. He's literally off the ground, just totally trapped by this circle. At this point, Renfield and Aquafina grab multiple weapons. One of them grabs an axe. One of them grabs a mace. And then they just start beating the shit out of Dracula. I mean, just tearing him apart. Literally, uh, we see them cut his body up into pieces, um, set it on fire. Um, Then they, like I said, they cut his body up into little pieces. They took those little pieces and they set them in cement but not like one big block of cement, literally like little cute. I I think they actually used ice trays and they literally put little chunks of Dracula in each section of the ice tray, covered it with concrete and then took all the concrete ice cubes and just spread them out uh, throughout different parts of the city. We hear Renfield's voiceover says, uh, saying something along the lines of, I'm not convinced Dracula is dead. I'm pretty sure he'll be able to come back from this, but at least it's going to be long enough that I'll be able to live my life. You know, basically he's saying it's going to take well beyond his mortal years for Dracula to like reassemble himself and come back. So they do kind of leave the window open for a sequel, but you know, I mean, it's very it's very much a Halloween ends type ending. Like, you know, when you see it, it's like, oh, OK, they're not coming back. Obviously, with vampires, there's a supernatural element and they may potentially come back, blah, blah, blah. 
But uh, yeah, we, we end up getting a final scene, if I remember correctly, of Aquafina and Renfield kind of just enjoying, um, you know, the, the post-fight glow, if you will, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember, I don't think there was a uh, post credit scene, um, so I think that is Renfield 2023, my friend. A very terrible, mind you, that was a terrible walkthrough only because I've seen four movies in theaters this weekend, and I'm about to go see my fifth tonight. So I've just seen so many movies, it's, and, and obviously I can't take notes in the theater, so it's kind of hard to remember every single scene, but yeah, there it is, Renfield. I enjoyed it. It sounds like most of us enjoyed it, and I think you'll enjoy it, too, if you give it a chance. I don't know that it's vital viewing in the theater, like like you got to rush out and watch it now. Um, if you've seen the trailer and, it's, and it looks mildly entertaining, you could probably just wait for a VOD release or something like that. But regardless, I had a good time with it. I will definitely watch it again. And, uh, yeah, bravo, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, I would say as long as, like, you're... I think it's one of those horror comedies where it, as long as you're in the mood for something that definitely veers more on the comedy than horror side, then you'll be okay with it. Right. It, it, Cause it's, it's not like a, it's not like a hardcore Dracula horror film no. with some comedy. It's definitely a comedy with Dracula. Absolutely. It's definitely more, uh, how can I put it? It's more Gremlins than it is Return of the Living Dead. Does that make sense? No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> mm, I, I see where you're going, but yeah, I don't know. Well, like a what we do because <laughs> Return of the Living Dead is really funny too. I, I, I wasn't yeah, thinking that. that. But yeah, like I like Mike is saying, it's definitely it leans heavier on the comedy aspect, but I don't think it's a detriment. I, I think horror and comedy fans will get into this one. If like I said, if you're a comedy fan and you're looking for like you know side splitting, you know, just my stomach hurts at the end of the movie type comedy. This ain't the movie for you. But I think there's enough comedy, enough horror, definitely enough blood and gore to satisfy the majority of, of the people that go check it out, especially if your expectations aren't too high. Again, this is a horror comedy with Nicolas Cage as Dracula. <laughs> you know what you're going to get. So there you go. What are you going to go see tonight? On uh, uh, Nefarious. Oh, okay. Tonight is nefarious. Ooh. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, what did I see this weekend? Renfield, Pope's Exorcist, uh, Bo is Afraid, and I watched Super Mario again because that movie is fucking awesome. <laughs> and I'm going in nefar- nice, nice. nefarious tonight. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, with that said, that's going to wrap up our discussion on Renfield, but let's find out what else everyone has for people to listen to. So, Venom, what do you got? All right. No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. Episode 16 is available. It is live, and on that episode, Derek, Don, and myself welcome Brandon Young from the Anatomy of Fear podcast to join us on a discussion on 1990s Tremors, a a favorite of a lot of us, not an absolute favorite, but you know what I mean, a, a favorite creature feature of a lot of us, if not the absolute favorite for Mr. Brandon Young. Uh, we had It's a quick episode, under an hour. We have a great quick discussion on uh, the movie. Uh, we even get to talk a little bit about uh, Graboid Cocksocks. So join us for all the fun. <laughs> uh, let's see. And that's pretty much all I have, sadly. I mean... 
Uh, Obviously, Mike mentioned the main show got delayed, so hopefully we'll get that recorded this weekend, this coming weekend. And um, still no plans for the next episode of uh, Crystal Lake Gift Shop, but, you know, hopefully that'll be here sooner than later. And that's pretty much it for me. I know I have a... um, I have a guest spot on the uh, Joe Blow summer series. Um, I think they're looking at Resident Evil movies this year. I don't think I've been assigned which Resident Evil movie I'm getting yet. But yeah, that's going to be the summer series for uh, Joe Blow Horror something. I forget the full name of that podcast. I'm very sorry. Joe Blow Horror (laughs) Show. Thank you. Joe Blow Horror Show. Um, So yeah, that'll probably be the next guest spot I do. And that's pretty much it on my agenda. All right, Don, how about you? Uh, yeah, as mentioned, Creature Comforts is uh, available. That was a lot of fun. Definitely uh, had a fun time with that. Uh, latest episode of uh, the Horror Countdown. Well, there's actually two, uh, just based on the uh, scheduling that uh, we had for this. Uh, the older of the two is my um, look at the um, favorite slashers and human villains. So, uh, you know, your Jasons, your Michaels, your Freddies, um, you know, serial killers and, you know, all that kind of uh, fun stuff. And uh, the latest episode is uh, Top Ten Scariest Subgenres. So uh, it's not actually the films itself, but the subgenre itself. So slasher films in general, creature features, haunted house films, possessions, uh all that kind of fun stuff. So uh, yeah, it was a it was pretty fun to uh, you know do both of these shows. Uh, the subgenres one is a little bit more um, intriguing, I think, just because it's the uh, what makes the subgenre scary to us, and um, you know, by co-hosts as well. So that one is a, a little it, it's a little different take than uh, some of the other episodes I've done, but um, they're both really good, and I, I still really like both of them. So. Go ahead and check those out. Uh, still waiting again. Um, I've been saying this for a while now, but still waiting on uh, my episodes for uh, the Stew World Order podcast and uh, Road to Nowhere. Um, Stew World Order, I looked at the action film Red 2, and uh, Road to Nowhere was just a uh, triple bill of Fulci. So both of those are still uh, waiting release. Um, I, I have no idea when they're coming out. Uh, those are shows that I've never worked with before, so I don't know recording schedules. I don't know when they're going to be released, but uh, they should be out hopefully sooner rather than later. So uh, I can't give you anything more than that, but uh, best I can do at the moment. But yeah, I guess uh, that's all for me. All right. Uh, for me, nothing coming up. Uh, which is fine, though, because it's going to be a busy week. Uh, we'll be having the second episode of Fresh Cuts recording. Um, and then uh, the Evil Dead movie comes out. So action-packed week. Also, there's a chance of the main shows getting scheduled sometime soon. So keep uh, keep up on that. And... Otherwise, yeah, our next two episodes are pretty much already planned out. Like I said, our second uh, episode of this week, we'll be covering The Pope's Exorcist, which we'll be recording in a couple days. And then Evil Dead will be the episode after that, as that opens this coming up Friday. Uh, So that's one of the more highly anticipated ones. Uh, Everyone remembers the story. I think it was originally going to be, what, HBO Max, but... 
ended mm-hmm. up getting switched to the theater, so that's exciting. The fact that uh, they went and pulled the switch on that. Um, I was hoping anyway they would have given like some type because they they did that with Prey, right? They put it in the theater in some places, so they did. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, Prey. It did get a it did get some theater runs after the fact, I think. Oh, after um, the fact. But, yeah, who gives a shit? I already saw it. <laughs> well, for the people that hadn't seen it, I guess I don't know. I don't know. Um, but hey, yeah. So those couple episodes are planned out, and then after that, we'll we'll see what the schedule looks like. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we will be back. I was about to say in a week's time, but watch you be back in a couple days' time uh, for the next episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Let's say bye to our listeners. Later. I never drink wine. (laughs) Peace.